Hi, it's Jenna. I just wanted to take a moment to thank you, our amazing listeners, for making our jobs so rewarding. If you haven't done so already, we ask that you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so we could hype this podcast up and bring our life-saving message of superior nutrition to even more people around the world. In today's episode, we're going to dive even deeper on the topic of if fish is friend or foe with part two. We're also going to be answering member questions. So if you want to get your questions featured on this podcast, sign up for membership at drfermancom membership. If you're already a member to drferman.com, ask us your questions in the Nutritarian Network. Now let's get started. I know everyone I feel like reaches out to you when they have questions about supplements or what or like and they get their, problems. DHA, their DHA is there low. Was, there were not a lot of other doctors they could go to who were plant based yeah. you know, plant based sympathetic. Right. And when they came to me and I measured their blood and their problems and see the problems they developed, they had a lot of high a lot of people developing dementia. With all the and the leaders of the plant based movement, most of them developed either dementia or Parkinson's disease. And because they weren't, nobody was taking supplements. And you look at you look at all of their like vitamins and minerals and everything they're getting, and you notice they're low in these areas, and you're like, well, that could be the problem. Well, I took the blood test for the omega three index back then. It was available back. We're talking about twenty years ago now. Oh. And it was available, and some of them had extremely low levels, super low levels. And that we've studied in, in primate studies, and um, that the low level of omega three in the brain increases the susceptibility to toxins that can induce Parkinson's. And by the way, there are some, there are new, there are some toxins in fish that can cause a Parkinson dementia syndrome. Well, I took the blood test for the omega-3 index back then. It was available back, we're talking about 20 years ago now. Oh. And it was available. And some of them had extremely low levels, super low levels. And we've studied in, in primate studies and um, that the low level of omega-3 in the brain increases the susceptibility to toxins that can induce Parkinson's. And by the way, there are some there are new, there are some toxins in fish that can cause a Parkinson dementia syndrome. By the way, that can cause Parkinson's because Parkinson's are probably caused by toxins in the brain. But fish supply some of the omega three that makes you more resilient to the toxins. So it's very confusing. It's very confusing. It's like yeah, a, yeah, huh. there's a pro and a con. But let's dive in because I think no pun intended. I think that fish have a lot of bad to it too like the topic on micro microplastics blow my mind but yeah. what's the bad because you said people can eat fish to get dha or supplement omega-3 because there's good parts of fish right. but there's a lot of bad so right. what would you say is the number one problem with eating fish where can a problem arise the number one problem is a com are toxins which is not just mercury it's mercury it's dioxin it's pcps and are these carcinogens are these like yes. cause cancer the worst and it's microplastic compounds mm -hmm. yes the combination of we have more, you know tons of dumping of plastics into the ocean so sad. the microplastics are tiny pieces of plastics most of them are smaller than the width of the hair on your head there's tiny wow and wait this comes from our plastic it's all environmental and yes, it's like we from dump plastic into the ocean it degrades into small particles the fish eat um, it they also breathe it because oh. they breathe, they oxygenate their body through by breaking the oxygen in water, and the plastic particles enter the bloodstream just from being in the ocean. Because they break, because they break apart, decompose, and then the fish are getting them the inside their bodies. The fish get them in the bodies, right? And they're they're in fish now. 
And then food chains, and where you eat the fish, and we're the getting bigger in our fish. Bodies. So fish expose us to mercury, dioxin, and, and we we find dioxin PCBs in polar bears and in With seals in the in the Arctic. In the Arctic, this is, and even in in primitive. Um, you could say Polynesian islands, the wild fish caused off the islands still have these toxins in them because they permeate the whole natural landscape around the world. It's so, so devastating. So the, so health authorities say, well, don't, if you're pregnant, don't eat too much fish, not more than two servings a week. I, you know, this so, stuff gets me too. You always hear that. Yeah. Not good for children under the age of five, not good for pregnant wives, but everyone else on the table. And you're like, <laughs> something is weird about this, that it could actually cause birth defects, but like I'm fine to eat it. That's right. If it's, so it's more dangerous for those people who are more susceptible to it, but those people are the measurement devices. Those are the radioactive devices where you take this radioactive Geiger counter into the room to see if there's, there's something going on here that we should get away from. So that if it's dangerous for the pregnant women and the, the children, <laughs> I don't want it then. then it's showing us well, we shouldn't be exposed to this at any age, you know? Exactly. <laughs> then like, maybe don't. <laughs> because we don't see it right away. It takes years and years to accumulate. But we know a person's mercury level and the level of plastic compounds in their body is proportional to the amount of fish they eat and how much fish they've eaten over their lifetime. Sounds like a lot of crud in fish, actually. There is a lot of crud in fish. I mean, that's, that's how I always thought about it, was there's some great stuff, and then there's some really bad stuff. So it's like, do you want to eat that? And the bigger, more predatory fish have more mercury. But now, because I, I used to think years ago, well, I'm just going to have like a little salmon or little sardines or little oysters, a little smaller fish. On special occasions. Special occasions. They're not going to be... Um, the predatory fish like tuna, sword, sword, swordfish, shark. and shark that have a high level of mercury. My body can clean that out. It's only a little... Won't be so bad. Won't be so bad. But I got a rude awakening by studying the science in more detail. The rude awakening was what I thought where the sardine has the omega-3 and is not going to have as much mercury. It has more plastic. The Bec smaller stuff? It's because it lives closest to shore on the bottom, the sardines and the oysters. And the, there's, oh. there's more plastic because they're dumping plastic near the, near the shoreline. And you have more runoff of the, of the nitrogen-based fertilizer. And you have algae bloom. And the cyanobacteria live on the algae bloom. And they produce a, a cyanide bacteria. There's cyanide that are no. It's not cyanide. It's cyanobacteria. Oh, <laughs> thanks for clearing that up. I'm like, does it get any worse? Right. Oh. So, so these bacteria that live on the algae bloom, there's more because we're dumping nitrogen from fish farming and from farming. We're dumping more nitrogen into the waters and off the coastal waters, and you have more. Now we have more of this this toxin that feeds off the cyanobacteria, feeding off the algae, and it's called BMAA is a toxin. So I'm talking about plastic, mercury, PCB, dioxin. We're talking about more BMAA now. And BMAA has been linked to ALS. ALS is, used to be called Lou Gehrig's disease. Amyolylateral sclerosis is very dangerous. It leads to people losing their coordination and killing. Eventually, they can't um, speak and they even can't breathe. But their mental faculties are all there, right? Yeah, so it's they, pretty they, scary. It's a pretty scary, dangerous disease. And we're seeing clustering of ALS cases around lakes where people are eating lake fish from the algae bloom. And we're seeing around Chesapeake Bay and areas of the... Wait, you said it kind of fast. So okay. algae bloom. So essentially you have farms with t that are getting tons of pesticides and like stuff coming off them from the rain and the going fertilizer, into lakes. The fertilizer. Oh, fertilizer. And nitrogen runoff from farms from both conventional farming... And organic? Yes, and from, um, and from animal products, but also from raising fish farms. The fish farms create an algae bloom. So algae blooms are created from these pesticides, from these fertilizers? No, not the pesticides, not the chemicals. 
from the from the fertilizing nutrients from the high nitrogen they put in the soil to grow the vegetables. Oh, from the fertilizers. Okay. So the fertilizers run off into the into the waterways, mm-hmm. and the fertilizers that run off into the waterways, and the animal refuse that runs into the waterways, like animal feces from fish feces and, and animal feces, they create the this algae bloom, and there's more algae bloom um, on coastal areas where they're raising fish, and the it causes more BMAA in the water, which is then linked to ALS and Parkinson's syndrome and Parkinson's dementia syndrome. So, so the, and, just even natural fertilizer, like just from the animal yes. g- gook and all that is running off and causing the ocean to just get really contaminated, essentially. Yes, the ocean's contaminated coastal, in the coastal waterways. And then you said the coastal waterways and lakes where they're pulling and like marshes where they get like oysters and shellfish, you said are the worst over fish. Well, they're called bivalves. I just learned what the word bivalves was a while back. The bivalves refers to oysters, mussels, clams, and scallops. And these and those bivalves plus shellfish are bottom feeders, like lobster and, and crab. Yeah. And the bottom feeders get much higher levels of BMAA in them, which there may not have been BMA, BMAA in them in, in ancient times, but in modern times there are high levels. And these are linked to a seriously life-threatening disease like ALS and Parkinson's dementia syndrome. And there's so high amounts of BMAA in these foods now off the coastal waterways that there's high clusters of these serious diseases that are increasing in prevalence when people are eating more seafood. And now I'm, I'm afraid to eat even crabs and lobster and, and scallops because if i was going to let's say cheat on my diet on a holiday or a vacation or something in years ago i would say oh you I'd ra- cheat <laughs> i would say you know oh i'd rather have like crab and lobster or scallops or shellfish that's what i'd rather have than a piece of fish for a special occasion for a special you wanted occasion. it to be grand yeah like, you like a buffet or you have yeah, something you know you, yeah okay i'll have some of th- but now i won't touch that stuff mm-hmm. i mean because, sure who wants to increase their because i learned about it i'm saying wow even that that what i used to think were the better safer seaweed foods are actually turning out to be the worst seafoods. Right. You know, by the way, shark cartilage and shark fin is the high, has the high, most BMAA in it. And we used to, and doctors used to recommend people take shark cartilage pills for cancer protection, and they were really giving them a product that actually causes cancer. That's so sad. It's so, isn't that weird? Oh my God. Yeah. Why, what was the benefit of they thought of shark back then? Because back, there was a lot of mar- marketing on sharks not getting cancer. And mm-hmm. that you take shark cartilage, you're not going to get cancer because a shark so doesn't get cancer. They have some magic, a, like, yeah, some magic substance or, in there. Yeah, and yeah. all these cancer patients were just like shoving shark cartilage pills in their mouth. Really? Yeah. Do you feel like it wasn't properly researched? It was never properly. Look at today. People are on the internet. People are taking apricot pits and and type of, they, they can, some people call it laetrile, they call it like B17. And people, they're giving it to people with cancer. And people who don't have cancer think it's a health food. All because it's marketed. Mm-hmm. By, this, by these people on the internet that are hurting people and damaging them. And when the studies come out, they deny them. But as more evidence accumulates, like with shark cartilage and with apricot pits and laetrile, we find that these things are dangerous and foolish yeah. and you have to be skeptic and you have to, be, you have to really have a different way of looking at things. And really be, it really takes a lot of um, education to be able to look at research and classify the research to a research B research or C research and to be able to interpret the full evidence to know which way to go, you know, and to, and to be able to, um, you could say debunk 
the fake research and debunk the wrong research and debunk the for, for the false claims that people right. are making. Because sometimes they don't know enough, edu- they don't really know enough. They just believe whatever they hear. They like this person giving them the information. They're going to believe whatever they're, they're hearing. You know? Well, we were talking about this before, but it's when you go on social media, it's who is ever the loudest or posts the most seems yeah. to be right. And you're like, is that really true? And these people who like support this person, you know, yeah. You know, oh, like, you know, well, yeah. totally. And I'm, uh. And they, a lot of people, I think, hear all this evidence and just want to be validated to like eat what they want to eat. Yeah. And it's just really tough. But I know people are going to clap back and say, oh, you can't eat mussels, oysters, all this stuff. Then you can't eat anything. What can you eat? There's something I, you always hear. There's something wrong with everything. So I'm yes, just going to yes. take my chances. But you still say the nutritarian diet. Like, are there any foods in that nutritarian diet that are dangerous or... I mean, you could have like oyster mushrooms and cut them up in the right way so that they like resemble scallops. Like there are really yummy, delicious foods that you could eat, yeah. eat instead of seafoods. Well, well, I think it. I think I've moved more over my years to being actually stricter with plant-based eating over the years because of these concerns. Mm-hmm. And over the years, we've made plant-based eating taste so good that you don't miss the animal products. Right. And you don't miss that not having sugar and oil either. Because right. our, our cooking techniques have so, been so... Refined. Refined. It thinks yeah. taste good. We made ice cream. We didn't talk about the birthday party we had yesterday. We make such delicious stuff that I don't feel I'm missing those things anymore. Yeah. So now that I can't have lobster and crab, and now that I can't have it, I can have it whenever I want to have it. Right. But I don't think I'm going to want to have it because I learned much, so much about it. I don't want to take the chance anymore. You know right. I mean? you yeah. Know? So let's run. And I have to- enough, a lot of other things I'd love to eat too, you know? Yeah. So there isn't something, there isn't anything like within the G bombs or the vegetarian diet that you need to pull out seems like a solid way of eating for people that are questioning what's even safe. Yeah, well, we don't eat a lot of brown rice because of the arsenic contamination. You can eat a little brown rice, but, you know. Um, and we eat such a wide variety of food in the diet, which helps us not only detoxify and have these toxins leave our tissues over time, but it exposes you to a less of one type of toxin. Right. So you're getting the little toxins you are exposed to are wide enough in variety to make it less damaging to the, to the body's tissues. So it would be and we're big... trying to eat organic, right? We're trying to eat as much as we can organic yeah, from good soils too, which is all, we're doing the best we can, right? So it'd be like the worst thing to do is have like meat and potatoes and broccoli night after night after night, like they used to do. Like the same thing is bad. Yeah, but a lot of people aren't even eating bro- potatoes and broccoli. They're eating fast food, burgers, and pizza, yeah. and they don't have the broccoli, and they don't have the f- potato. They have the French fries. Yeah. I mean, look at the people living on fast food. It's like they're, they're, they've, become, they've completely separated themselves from the ability to think logically because they're, everything they're eating is, is disease-causing. Yeah, and addicting. Yeah, and addicting. And, and yeah. cheap. It's like the recipe for future disaster, yeah. like havoc in their bodies. Oh, yeah, yeah. my heart. But... Let's run through what we made for mom's birthday dinner yesterday because I was really proud of it. I felt like we didn't want to eat out. We just wanted a good home-cooked meal, but like a little extra. We got a little was, fancy with it. We got a little over the top. But per- it was perfectly good. over the top. Do you have any regrets? Good, no, it was a good treat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So what it was is you were assigned the main dish. So yes. you made... My famous. You made a lasagna. Yes. So I make the zucchini lasagna, but I usually do. It's so good. The recipe's on drfurman.com for anyone that wants it. And it's by me, of course. But So it's the layer um, red sauce, and then you layer the zucchini, and then you have a cashew tofu ricotta, which is so good. Really good. Yeah, really tastes You layer great. that, put more sauce on. But to get a little special for mom's birthday, I put 
Um, I did every other layer, zucchini and then whole wheat pasta whole sheets. Whole wheat pasta sheets, To yeah. make it a little more decadent. Um, and what do you think? I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, it was really And then good. I made um, steamed artichokes. Artichokes are my favorite mm -hmm. um, vegetable. They were also really good. I, I love those. Yeah. And then Carol was made the apple pie. Mm -hmm. She made a healthy apple pie with just... Two of them. Two, yeah. And <laughs> I was in charge of the dessert. was the ice cream. Yes. But no, I was... My idea was to have an ice cream making contest. Right. And have who could make the best tasting ice cream. But we were so busy. I had a contest with myself and made two <laughs> flavors of ice cream. I made a chocolate mint with cocoa nibs. Right. And then I made a vanilla... Um, Ice bean. cream, a vanilla bean ice with, cream. Also with cocoa nibs. And I also put cocoa nibs in that too. <laughs> but I put real mint, mm -hmm. real mint, beautiful fresh, mil, fresh mint leaves mm -hmm. with little cocoa powder, a little bit of date coconut roll, five bananas in the chocolate one. Yeah. Um, a teaspoon of the real vanilla bean powder and three teaspoons of cocoa of cocoa powder. And I made the chocolate ice cream. Right. And it was really good. People loved it. Delicious. And the vanilla ice cream, of course, um, not as much, um, not as much date. No cocoa and vanilla and and I put a little bit of oh I I trick I um enhance the decadent value because I pick a little soy milk in there and I put a little coconut cream in there too. Mm -hmm. So I had a little soy milk and coconut cream and then I didn't just put it in the Vitamix to blend it. I also took it out of the Vitamix after it was blended and I put it into an ice cream maker which then turns it and fluffs it. So it came out like in such incredibly like real ice cream. Yeah, it was a great texture. And I put that in. I put that in the freezer while you were getting the other the, the other. And doesn't the ice cream maker chill it too? Because it was very cold. I had it. You know, I took the frozen bananas when I blended it. So it went to the ice cream maker. Not as you could put things in the ice cream maker at room temperature mm -hmm. and just put the. But I had it already chilled. Right. So it makes so the ice cream maker now makes it in fifteen minutes instead of making it in forty minutes. Right. You know okay. What I mean? Okay. So I use the ice, but the ice cream maker mixes it around and, and chills it down. So it gets a little more air in it. So it has the ten texture of a little more like a, a real holiday ice cream. I think and we put I, that on the apple pie after it, lasagna. And, the, and that was really, it was really good dinner. Huh? Yeah, it was so it yummy. We didn't want to eat much for dinner because we wanted to have the dessert too. Oh yeah, you have to save room because so it we, will really fill you up. Because we had a dessert. We each had a little ice cream with the apple pie. So we didn't eat that much food. Yeah, know? I think what I loved about it was that... I truly enjoyed it. Like, I mean, I enjoy all my meals, but if you're looking for like something birthday, a little bit extra, everyone yeah. came together and made something that was our favorite, like staple, but we put a nutritarian spin on it and it yeah. still was just incredible without guilt. Like I didn't feel guilty yeah. at all over anything. I just was really satisfied and yeah. didn't feel like I went too far. Yeah. yeah. And it, it could, so well, how good. can you have a meal that tastes better than that? Yeah. That was it was a real can't. special occasion movie. I want it again tonight. Yeah. And how do you like cool. that birthday present I got mom? That was that was unexpected, but it's great. She's excited. Yeah. He got my mom a potter's wheel, so my mom might be making beautiful plates and yeah, so you could spin and make future. her own pottery. It's but you're going like, to do it with her, right? Yes, yeah, fun. All right, make, you know, I'm going to ask you how you did. Yeah, and you, I think in my house eventually I'm going to put a little area that we're going to like do art, yeah, like make pottery or or paint pictures of or paint or draw paintings just for fun. I, you know, just like fun. Art, I think, uh, needs to be a part of everyone's yeah, life, no like matter playing, what. You playing around with art like a kid. Okay, so before I let you go, let's do our member questions. So okay. um, the members have a chance to ask me online some questions that we feature on the podcast, and here are the ones that I picked for this month. Okay. This one's very on brand for our topic today. Dr. Furman mentioned that the average American has a credit card amount of plastic in their body. How do we get rid of that? You mentioned that it causes hormonal, carcinogenic, and other problems. Is that true? That's right. The plastics transmit toxins into the body there are chemicals in the plastic besides the plastic and those chemicals into the bloodstream could it could be genotoxic that damage the dna and could persist in the body for decades 
Are people just getting this credit card from fish and stuff? Most, no, they're getting it. No, they're not. They're getting it from eating fast food and eating things packed in plastic and drinking plastic water. Oh my, yeah, they're right. eating it from plastic bag, from eating packaged foods, processed foods, plus eating from fish. So they, so yeah, it's dangerous and it doesn't come out of the body readily. It takes decades to come out of the body. It means it's going to cause damage for a long time. So that's why nothing is magical. You, it takes a long time to earn good health. So now that we're doing the right things earlier in life, that's why you can't suddenly take a DHA deficient brain and get all the nutrient, the right D fatty acids in your brain overnight or even in a year or two. It takes time for the body to restructure its biology, to sure. fix things. So you got to do things right for many years, not for a few months. Mm -hmm. So yeah, to get your plastic, your levels of toxins down in your body, you have to eat healthy for decades or for, for a decade. Right. So it's going to come out slowly as you stop exposing yourself to these things, but it comes out very slowly. And for most people, they don't get to a healthy enough place to get all these things out of the body. So for us nutritarians, we're striving for more a higher degree of nutritional excellence. So our body does have the phytochemical and nutrient exposure with such a wide, diverse array of nutrients and foods that our nutrient density in our cells are high enough so the body can deal with the toxins. make and flush them out? Flush them out, but it happens... It's not so quick as a flush. It's slowly <laughs> Seep. seeping out over the years. <laughs> I don't like that and word. we're going to improve our health from whatever diet we were following the first 50 years of our life. Mm -hmm. The sooner in life you start to eat healthy, like you, starting younger, and the, yeah, and the more aggressive and healthier you eat, the better the toxins are going to come out. Right. Oh, that's interesting. And you recommend people do not drink from plastic water bottles, right? Correct. No water bottle, no plastic water bottles so either. Glass is safe. Glass and yeah, and stainless steel is okay and stuff okay. like that. You know? Okay. Interesting. Um, next question. What about juicing with produce that isn't organic or where if you don't know the farmer's fertilizing practices? Well, you don't have to juice. The reason why I juice for people is because they're starting on a nutritarian diet with some serious chronic illness. Yeah. And I want to bring the levels of nutrients in their tissues up faster. Mm -hmm. um, but I only recommend you really juice if you can get any organic produce, getting produce from an organic farm. Okay. Because if this, I'd rather you not juice and concentrate so much of that food if it's not organic. The stuff, and that's why we like to grow some of our own food. I know the soil, I know the, um, I know the fertilizers we put in there. I know it's really great food. I can juice that because I have a lot of extra of it anyway. And the best vegetable to juice is bok choy because it's the cruciferous vegetable with the most liquid in it that juices easily. We're juicing kale and other oh, and greens like and cabbage. Oh, cucumbers have a lot. Yeah, cucumbers, but cucumbers aren't as, aren't as um, anti-cancer powerfully as bok choy is. Right. So mix the cucumber and the lettuce with a little bok choy because then you'll get a good juice. But I would only do it if you can make organic. And we don't, you know, we juice about, what, three times a week? Maybe I don't do it every day, but for people who are seriously ill with cancer or autoimmune conditions, I use these juice for them twice a day. I'm trying to get the levels of nutrients in their tissues more rapidly up mm -hmm. so they can get maximized their Quick. healing quicker. Yeah. Right. But so juicing does make sense. If you can get organic, it will help you rev up that nutrient profile. Yes, but you don't have to juice if you're eating perfectly. If over time, you can eventually get to the high level of nutrients in your tissues without the juicing. But taking a little extra juice and is still a good thing to do if, if you're getting organic produce. And I also recommend people supplement their diet with sprouts too, mm -hmm. and we want to use organic, you know, sprouts that are made in, uh, with um, good, and, and not just sprouts, but also microgreens. But microgreens, we were careful as to the type of soil we're raising the microgreens in. We're not just using any kind of junk food soil, and I don't want to use soil that's fertilized with chicken manure, because chicken manure has more arsenic in it. Oh. Yeah, so we, so I'm, so I'm using fertilizers from my garden that is not the commercial fertilizers that are predominantly made with chicken feathers and chicken manure. Where do you get your fertilizer? Oh, wait. 
see our gardening episode. I make my own fertilizer. <laughs> I'm not going to get you on that. But you can it. buy fertilizer made with bat guano and you know, fish meal, but it's still better than what we do, make our own fertilizer. So you don't want to juice with conventional non-organic produce because you use so much of the produce. You could be getting a lot of pesticides exactly. in your juices right. versus you using organic, tons of vegetables. It's fine to get that quantity of vegetables in your body. You got it. Okay. That makes sense. My question is, so I know now juicing has to be organic. What about the microgreens? Should, does that have to be organic? Well, they don't really, nobody's spraying microgreens. Oh, really? With fungus. I mean, yeah, it's organic, but I, don't, but I think all microgreens are organic. But I'm saying that I even like to make my own microgreens because I want to know the soil I'm raising the microgreens in. You only use a half an inch of soil. You're going to cut it off, right? But what is that soil? Get some peat moss and mix in some... How is growing your microgreens? Is it easy? Yeah, it's very easy. And, he, and I'm saying here that even a little bit of sprouts and a little bit of microgreens or a little bit of mushrooms, exotic mushrooms, adds a quality of longevity benefits to your diet that's worth the effort, even if you're not eating a huge amount of it, just the little bit of addition adds an additional quality to your nutrient intake and to your these, these compounds, these beneficial phytochemicals that are good for you. You know how in your multivitamins and supplements you add different, unique, like 10 different mushrooms, different unique berries and stuff like that. Right. Is that going to provide people with those like extra superfoods for health and longevity? Yes, because we're learning that the best microbiome and the best nutrients for long, ultimately pushing the envelope of human longevity has to do with micronutrient diversity. And that means having not just have one type of mushroom, the same mushroom all the time but have a lot of different types of mushrooms in your diet. Mm -hmm. And I can't get like 10 mushrooms in my diet. If I was working, if I was living in the woods or the jungles and I was harvesting a lot of mushrooms all the time, I'd probably get a lot of different wild mushrooms. Sounds like a full-time job though. So it's because most of this full-time job is lurking for food <laughs> and making food all day long. That's what yeah. the primitive humans did. Yeah, but 100 so, different containers in your fridge, I can imagine. Yeah, right. So having a variety of berries and a variety of, of foods in your diet, we can increase that nutritional variety with taking a supplement with, with, with different mushroom extracts or which is, can be helpful for people, yes. Cool, because I noticed you have a bunch of different superfoods, and I'm like, this yeah. is good to take. Mm -hmm. um, next question. Could Dr. Furman please address why coconut flakes and coconut milk are okay in some recipes, like your ice cream, you blew up your spot there, when we know coconut oil is most definitely not okay? That's correct, because coconut flakes and even coconut cream is ground up coconut. And coconut flakes... Like can, the full coconut, The full saying. coconut ground up. Right. Whereas coconut oil is the oil extracted from the coconut without the fiber. And the, the, the hallmark of a nutritarian diet is we get our fat from whole foods, not from the oils extracted from those foods. Because mm -hmm. uh, uh, that's just the fat extracted. That is the, just the saturated part. Just the fat extracted without the fiber. So it rushes into your bloodstream faster, has more caloric density, stimulates the brain for a food addiction. But coconut fat in particular it has more saturated fat. So it's more athero... It's more promotes... Raises cholesterol more and promotes heart disease more than other fats do. So coconut oil is not olive oil. Coconut oil is olive oil. If you're gonna use an oil, olive oil is much safer than coconut oil. So I definitely do not recommend people use oh, coconut really? oil. Oh, really? Olive yeah. oil is safer. That was my next question, actually, that fits so perfect in here. I had a bunch of friends text me this question. Um, the internet right now has a real, seed oils have a really bad rep. They're saying like canola oil is the worst and this right. like extra marketing against seed oils. Right. Is there any validity to that? Are there some yes. oils that are better than others? Yes, it's definitely the case that um, olive oil, for example, has more phenols and is less saturated fat. That we have What's the a phenol? It's a, it's a phytochemical present and it's fat soluble phytochemical. It's good for the brain. Okay. And for your immune system. Right. So there's some benefits, but, and there's also, um, polyphenols and bioflavonoids and coffee, for example. 
But there's some negative aspects of coffee too that people aren't talking about. You can get my like polyphenols. And, and, but it's, yeah, there's always some benefit to it, but there's some benefit, but there's better ways you can get those benefits without the risks. Mm -hmm. You know, that is sources are nothing fattening. So yes, I'm agreeing with that, that, that if you're going to use an oil, but I'm still not recommending olive oil, even though it's better than the other kind of oil. Right. You know what I mean? Right, because it's super highly caloric. So All oils are highly caloric. Right. But those seed oils might have more um, saturated fat compared right. to olive oil. Right. And even though olive oil has... 14% saturated fat, it, ha it has a good amount of, um, of polyphenols in it that have anti, that have nutrient, that have nutri some nutrient benefits. Yeah. It's still not as good as eating the whole olive. It's still not as good as eating another seed. So what are you comparing it to? The studies show that olive oil, yes, better than butter. Olive oil, better than, the seed, than most of the seed oils, yes. But olive oil is not better than eating walnuts and the whole nuts and seeds. So when you it's can all, blend the you, full nuts and seeds into these dishes and they taste so yeah, good. It's, it's, we're comparing something, that's why fish looks better than meat, but it's still not as good as eating beans and nuts. It's all about, you got to look at the study and see what we're going to, you know, so people could use the study and make it, it could not show accurately what the, if something is good or bad, is whatever you're comparing it to. Mm -hmm. It's better for us to eat. But anyway, I think they got the idea. <laughs> I hope you got some clarity on fish and knowing the pitfalls not to, what to avoid and any pitfalls that we can help you with. Um, we want you to live a long and healthy life. Right. And the unfortunate message here is even the limited consumption of fish even once or twice a week is not worth the risk that's the that's the final message i think yeah and even I, that people say well it's okay if you're having it once or twice a week i'm thinking even that's probably too much probably shouldn't do more than once or twice a month and even if you're doing it once or twice a month that should not be shellfish and bivalves because they're too toxic now absolutely yeah all right we will be breaking more food myths in the future and we can't wait for you to join us